G'day everyone, this is Rita Joyan and welcome to episode number 186 on the Unbox Your Gift podcast, how to turn your passion into a profession. In this week's episode, I've got a whole uh, variety of episodes that I've packed together. What I mean by that is if you don't follow me on social media, I do snippets of every episode that I put on. I do tiny two to three minutes, sometimes one minute snippets of the golden nuggets taken out from the episodes. And I put them up on my Instagram, my TikTok, my Facebook, LinkedIn. So if you're not connected with me on the social media platforms, make sure you do because you'll get bite-sized pieces of the gems that you can pick up and that you can turn your passion into a profession. It's the fuel that gets you going, you know, in, in little snippets. So if we're not connected already, make sure you, you connect with me on Rita Joyan, Unbox Your Gift. Either Rita Joyan or Unbox Your Gift, you'll find me, connect and you get these snippets. So for those of you who are on the podcast and consistently listen to the podcast, thank you so much. What I wanted to do was put the audio of just some of the different topics that I've covered, which is... Um, this is why you don't follow your passion. I've taken a snippet from that podcast and I've put it in this particular episode. The difference between education and school, imposter syndrome, motivation versus habit, how your identity is like a barcode, how does emotional intelligence work, the coffee experiment, what career suits your personality, and all these other topics that I've included uh, including those ones, are going to be in this episode. So but pretty much snippets of each topic that I've uh, glued together and uh, I hear for your hearing pleasure. So sit back, enjoy, and um, it's a remix pretty much, a remix of everything, of some of the topics I've covered, and I hope you enjoy. And by the way, if you leave a review, um, as always, the first five people of each episode who leave a review will get the Unbox Your Gift guided journal uh, given to you. So um, if you do that, we'll contact you um, via the, the, uh, the actual testimonial or review that you leave. Email us that you've done so, and then we'll send over to you the Unbox Your Gift guided journal as a thank you for taking the time to do that. Have a beautiful day and enjoy the remix. An engineer, a carpenter, whatever that passion, that goal is, you're going to be more in the process of in the pursuit of that passion than in the passion. I want to talk to you about a specific topic that's been weighing very heavily on my shoulders, and that is the pursuit of passion and wasted effort, or so called wasted effort. What do I mean? From what I've interviewed, spoke so many people on the Unbox Your Gift, How to Turn Your Passion into a Profession podcast. I've interviewed so many people and in all of their journeys, all of them had a passion. There's always been something that they've wanted to achieve. And what I've realized, we're always going to be more in the process of the pursuit of passion than being in the passion. And it's the same with wherever you're going. If you're looking to be a writer, a coach, a consultant, an engineer, a carpenter, whatever that passion, that goal is, you're going to be more in the process of in the pursuit of that passion than in the passion. And so my advice to myself and my advice to you is to find that thing. Of course, you want to be the writer. You want to be the coach. You want to be the consultant. You want to be the electrician, whatever it is the passion is. 
but fall in love not just with that end goal but in the, the what it's going to take to get to that because if what it takes is going to exhaust you it's going to tire you it's going to make you feel less then it's not going to be worth the end goal you won't get to that end goal and as i've interviewed people throughout the whole process of the unbox you give podcast it's the one trait that they share i mean the coffee man that i interviewed the, a guy who loves coffee his obsession is coffee. He goes to Puerto Rico, he goes to Ethiopia to find and source the best cup of coffee. Like, you know, he's not just like wanting to drink it every day. He's actually on the, on the trek, on the fields, trying to find the best cup of coffee. And he's more in the process of finding it than gaining that best cup of coffee. So the point is we're gonna be more in the process of anything than in the actual, than in the actual position of tasting the passion the tasting of the passion comes once we've been tested and god knows we get tested then being tested in the process of that but i believe that what's giving me comfort and i'm sharing with you to give you comfort is we're not going to be judged ultimately by the result but more so in the pursuit of that result and the effort we put in and that's how I've come to terms for myself of the effort that I'm putting in to my load of work, to my load of effort, because yes, in this world, for between you and I, we're being judged, we're judging each other on the result. What did you get? How did you go? What did you gain? But at the end of the day, the ultimate result is in the pursuit of that. And when I can focus my attention on the pursuit of the passion and my effort that goes in, now suddenly my ego is kind of subsided. Because my ego is looking at the result, right? I'm after the result. God is focusing on my effort and my pursuit of it and how I'm doing and what I'm doing. Then my ego is subsided and I'm more focused on this process and that this process is the real deal. It's not the destination because I don't have control of the destination. I don't know if I'm going to get to the destination. I don't know what time I have. In terms of being on earth, I don't know what that might mean. But what I do know and what I have control over is that pursuit of it and that's what God's judging me on. So if God is judging me on that ultimate thing, then wouldn't it be paying, like, wouldn't it be paying greater dividends for me if I focus my attention on what matters most ultimately and not short term? I know that this path that I'm on, which sounds crazy, which maybe is not getting me anywhere, is worth the effort because it'll, it's worth the effort in God's eyes and that's really all I'm working towards, God willing. So that has really helped me in the past week, really. And I hope by sharing that, it gives you perspective that wherever you are on the journey, where the journey has taken you, has put you in this position this time in this part of the month of this year, that you reflect on it's the effort more, it's your pursuit more, it's the process that we're focused on more because that's what we're going to be in the majority of our life, not the result. The result is temporary, momentary that destination you know achieving this many amount of money or that title or being going to that country it's only temporary what is permanent or what is not only in this life but the next but what is long term is the pursuit of that and that honest to god took a lot of weight off my shoulders it really did it really put everything in perspective so i hope that's helped you i know that really gave me an aha moment and so um, thank you. What a great message. Thank you for sharing your feedback with me. So wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing, my advice to myself and to you is that life is a gift. We unbox it. And the way that I've really understood to unbox it this past week is that we're more in the process than we'll ever be at the one destination.
wherever you are in the world, have a beautiful day. God bless. Can't find passion in anything. There are three reasons why that is. Number one, you feel stuck. You feel that you don't have any value to add. Number two, you feel that you're scared of failing. Either you've never failed before or you constantly feel that you missed the mark and therefore you don't want to feel like a failure again. Or number three, there's been, there's been a change of life circumstances. You've had a baby, you've changed countries, you've gotten married. If you feel like you're not in your groove and you can't find passion in anything, go out and try and network with a place, an association, a meetup that you never would go to because what you're trying to do is get out of your head and into your emotion because emotion will then drive your energy, which will then propel you to regain your mojo, your groove, to find your passion again. The whole point of school is to become educated. Yet there's a difference between being educated and being schooled. Here's how Immanuel Kant, the great German philosopher, defined education. What can I know? What may I hope? What ought I to do? And lastly, what is man? Immanuel Kant's definition of education, we could trim all of those things down to meaning one thing, understanding of self, self-awareness. If you're self-aware, you're ahead of everything else because if you understand who you are and how you function, turns your creative juices on, well, then you're not going to spend the rest of forever trying to work out what it is that you're supposed to be doing. And that's the whole function of education is to become self-aware. Let's see if school fulfills that. Now, I'm not speaking from opinion. I'm speaking from the perspective of John Taylor Gatto, who was a school teacher for 30 years, and then realized that the whole structure of the schooling system was really to create a docile, dependent, and disillusioned class of people. You take a child at their most impressionable and you divide that child by age, by subject, by standardized testing and ranking them being smart or average or below average and they get locked into that. You know, it creates envy, it creates jealousy. What does that do for anyone? Does that allow you to know yourself? Does that allow you to build self-awareness on how you can better yourself? If the answer for you is no, then clearly self-awareness is found through education and not through schooling. And that's the difference being schooled and being educated. Schooled is going through the function of being divided by age, by subject, by, by definition of high, low, medium, whatever. And education is the understanding yourself means your own level of worth. No, you don't need to adapt to someone else's map. And that's the whole reason why education exists. So you can create your map. Yet, when you follow a system of when you're segregated through so many means, and then you're placed in a box the school system has given you, how on earth do you create a map? If you look at every student that graduates from high school, majority of them have no idea what they want to do. And that's the whole function of school. Schooling is being boxed by all these little proliferations of how things are supposed to be because you need to act and be a certain way because that just makes it so much easier for industry and the world to be able to hire you eventually because you'll be predictable. Well, so that's the difference between being schooled and being educated. Educated is a process of self-awareness that you develop and that you're comfortable with developing. And John Taylor Gatto's book of Weapons of Mass Instruction, he says in over 30 years of teaching and understanding the curriculum of how school is taught, genius, get this, genius is as common as dirt. And that's not some fluffy thing to say. That's not some feel-good throwaway comment to say, it's a fact from a teacher who's taught it for 30 years. 
Horace Mann, who promoted public schooling in the 1800s, said himself to his financial backers, he called school the best jail, by which he meant that the jail you sentence your mind to when you go to school is harder to escape than any other iron bars. So does that mean everyone should just leave school? Of course not. And does everyone mean they've got to blame everything that's not working in their life at school? Of course not. But here's what it does mean. It means that there's a certain percentage of people who really relate to school. They like the system of school and they'll be schooled really well and they'll be the ones who do really good. Conversely, there's a greater majority of students who don't enjoy school. I was one of them. But they try and adapt because that's the only way you can survive because the school system is just one system. Because whether you're good at school or you're not good at school, the point is to build self-awareness. And how do you do that? How you do it? Try as many of these things. Build the self-awareness. Build to understand yourself, how you are. What do you gravitate to? And you just got to find what your outlet is. You've just got to find what it is, that thing that lights you up. But education is lifelong learning. That's the key to unlocking your full potential, no matter what age. That genius is as common as dirt. Well, that is so exciting. Imposter syndrome. What is imposter syndrome? Now, in my experience, imposter syndrome feels like you're a fool, like you're wearing a mask. And it stems from feeling unworthy or not feeling enough. For example, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not qualified enough, you're not young enough, you're not old enough, you're not experienced enough. And it, all those feelings can be summed up as saying, I'm not ready. Example, you want to go for a new job. You want to go for a new goal. You get an opportunity to do something you've always wanted to do, but you're scared to do it. And the reason why you're scared or you're hesitant or you're awkward about it is because of this thing called the imposter syndrome. Because feeling like a fraud, feeling unworthy, feeling like someone's going to work out that you are trying to be someone who you're not is just too overwhelming. And this feeling of not being worthy, of not being qualified or being experienced or being the right age screams at you. And the words that scream in your head is, I'm not ready yet. So how do you overcome imposter syndrome? There are two things. The first thing that you want to look into is you want to keep your word to yourself. What does that have to do with the imposter syndrome? What has that got to do with feeling unworthy? Let me tell you. Every time you and I make a commitment to ourselves saying, we're going to go to the gym. Starting Monday morning, we're going to go to the gym. Anytime you and I make a promise to ourselves and we don't keep that promise, guess what happens? When you break your promise to yourself, you break your word to yourself, and now you know habitually that because you don't keep your word to yourself, this new opportunity, this new job, this new experience, this new thing that you could be doing, which is screaming at you, I'm not ready, the reason why you're more hesitant to go and take it is because of the fact that you know from your history that you don't keep to your own word. So every time you make a commitment to yourself, honor that commitment because what it's doing is when that opportunity comes, you'll be honoring that opportunity by distancing imposter syndrome. Even though you might be scared, you'll still be scared because you're going to new unknown territory, but you'll take the position of going through with it because you know you keep your word to yourself, all by sticking to your own commitments.
The second thing in annihilating imposter syndrome is look at your identity. What label do you give yourself? Identity, how you label yourself, is equivalent to having a barcode on you. Just like you go to a supermarket and the supermarket scans through and each barcode tells the computer what you're purchasing, whether it's a shampoo or it's a hairbrush. The same thing is true for how you see yourself. How you see yourself is actually a barcode on you. It's invisible, but it's invisible in your attitude, in your behavior, in your beliefs. And that comes out every single day in little intricate ways. So for example, if you see yourself as an extrovert or if you see yourself as an introvert, you're gonna act according to how you've labeled yourself. So if you get the opportunity to be head of an organization, head of a team, whatever it might be, and that new opportunity requires you to be speaking, to be networking, to be traveling heaps, but you see yourself as an introvert, but you really wanna do that position, but it conflicts with who you feel you are, your identity, imposter syndrome is gonna overtake you because now you're not only working with a new territory and you feel that you've never been for, getting over that fear is one thing, now you've got to get through the extra fear that that's not who I am. And anytime you feel that's not who I am, it's in conflict with how you see yourself. Even though you want that new opportunity, even though you want that new thing, you have to look at what label are you putting on yourself that's preventing you and that's increasing imposter syndrome of getting to that next step piece. And those words will creep in, I'm not ready. Let me just clarify one thing. Saying I'm ready doesn't mean that you have all the answers. Saying I'm ready simply means I'm willing to learn what those answers are so I can put them into practice. So be careful of what label you put on yourself because if the next opportunity or next position or next thing that you want conflicts with who you see yourself, imposter syndrome is going to inflate and you're going to find an even greater distance. So how do you change your identity? How do you change who you see yourself as being? that you can actually move forward with the things that you want to do and not feel so scared or not feel like a fraud or not feel enough, here's one way of doing it. If you need to change your barcode, I know a terrible way of saying it, but in other words, if you need to change the labeling that you have on yourself, the identity that you've given yourself, here's how to go about it. This exercise was written in a book in 1979 by Barbara Sher. Here's how it goes. It's called The Color Exercise. So pick a color that appeals to you. Pick a color, any color. Now role play that color and pretend to be that color and speak for it since the color can't speak for itself. But grab a piece of paper and write down, I am blue or I am green or I'm fire engine red, whatever color appeals to you. And then speak for that color and write down what it's like to be that color. So for example, I am green, simple, straightforward and honest. You can say I'm red and fiery, I'm sassy and I'm giving. I am yellow, always shining brightly, joyful, happy. I am blue, quiet, silent, and reflective. You do the exercise, it's really important to remember that you're only speaking for the color and you're not speaking for yourself. Now there's no right or wrong answers for the colors. You can say that white is depressing. When you're speaking for the color white, you can say it's depressing. You can say black is the happiest color in the world. There's no right or wrong. What you wanna do is speak for the color and speak for what qualities that color actually has. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. Did you feel shy in explaining or speaking for the color and saying that it's intelligent or it's fiery or that it's giving or that it's honest? Did you have any problem with saying what the color is? 
if you've done this exercise, you haven't. But really what the underlying layer is that when you speak for that colour, you're actually speaking for yourself. And in that moment, you had no trouble talking about a colour and expressing the views of a colour. So it's a very thinly veiled exercise to show you that you were just speaking for yourself. As you were talking about that colour, you were actually speaking about yourself. So that's how to tackle imposter syndrome. The feeling of, I'm not ready yet. To alleviate imposter syndrome, feeling like a fraud, feeling like you're wearing like a mask, feeling not enough, the way to do that is keep your commitments to yourself. You must be able to keep those commitments, a handshake with yourself to keep the promises that you make to yourself. It's not just about the promise, it's the long-term muscle that it builds of self-confidence in you and the worthiness and trust that it builds with yourself that allows you to overcome imposter syndrome when it creeps up. The second thing is what label do you give yourself? How do you identify yourself? What barcode is on you? If the barcode, the label, how you see yourself is conflicting with an opportunity that you want to go for. And so what you need to do is you need to take off that barcode, that label, that identity and replace it with one that actually serves the next opportunity that you want to actually head towards. And the best way to do that, that I found, that actually helps you think from a different perspective when you can't speak from your own perspective because you're kind of stuck in I'm not ready yet mode is to do the colour exercise and speak for a colour that appeals to you. And as you're speaking for that colour, it's going to automatically just get out all that goodness and all that worthiness and all the, the stuff that's going to allow you to align yourself to what you want to be able to do. Thank you so much for watching. I hope this has been a benefit to you. My advice to myself and to you is that life is a gift and together, let's unbox. See, I find that motivation has become like a drug. We need a fix. In order to feel like we want to do something, we need to feel motivated. We need to feel like we want to go ahead and do something. And the, the moment that you wait for motivation, now you're hooked on that drug. Just like you get hooked on any other drug. The best way to counteract motivation, stop waiting for inspiration or stop waiting for motivation, is to build a habit. And there's this really brilliant quote that sums up what I'm trying to say. People do not decide their futures. They decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. Don't show me your goals, show me what your habits are. Habit is doing it even when you don't want to, even when you don't feel like it, even when you're tired, even when you're out of ideas, even when you're not inspired. Imposter syndrome. What is imposter syndrome? Now, in my experience, Imposter syndrome feels like you're a fraud, like you're wearing a mask because feeling like a fraud, feeling unworthy, feeling like someone's going to work out that you are trying to be someone who you're not is just too overwhelming and this feeling of not being worthy, of not being qualified or being experienced or being the right age screams at you and the words that scream in your head is I'm not ready yet. So how do you overcome imposter syndrome? Just look at your identity. What label do you give yourself? Identity, how you label yourself, is equivalent to having a barcode on you. Just like you go to a supermarket and the supermarket scans through and each barcode tells the computer what you're purchasing, whether it's a shampoo or it's a hairbrush. The same thing is true for how you see yourself. How you see yourself is actually a barcode on you. It's invisible how you see yourself that's preventing you and that's increasing imposter syndrome. And those words will creep in 
I'm not ready. Let me just clarify one thing. Saying I'm ready doesn't mean that you have all the answers. If you have trouble asking for a raise at work or asking for a sale in your business or your side gig, if you have trouble asking or speaking up with a sibling, with a parent, with your spouse, if you have trouble with confidence, here's an experiment I want you to try that's going to be able to find out for you what are your triggers that prevent you from speaking up, asking for the sale, asking for a raise, you know, elevating your confidence. You need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So how do you know what are your triggers and how do you get comfortable being uncomfortable? I want you to go to 10 different coffee shops and I want you to ask for 10% off every time you order a drink. Now, the point is not to get a 10% discount. The point is to get very comfortable with being uncomfortable. And when you can go through that process of going to 10 different coffee shops and asking for a 10% discount, you will understand your triggers, what it is that specifically holds you back and gives you anxiety when you need to recruit confidence. What curry suits my personality? He's had to find out. Pick three words that describe who you are. So are you a happy person? Are you a cheerful person? Are you a conservative person? Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? What three words describe who you are? And then once you do that, what are the professions that feed into those three descriptions? Because here's what's true. Anytime you and I are around a coworker, a sibling, a spouse, who we enjoy their company, who we are expands. Who we are is magnified. And when we're around a coworker, a sibling, a spouse that sucks energy out of us, it's, it's work. And so the same is true for your profession. Your profession has to add to you, has to expand who you are, has to magnify who you are. So you need to pick a profession that's in line with your personality traits. So how do you do it? Pick three personality traits and then brainstorm what professions are aligned with who you are. So how does emotional intelligence work? So emotional intelligence, if everybody, I can see everyone to an extent, if everybody can just put their hand, their right hand on the, on the, like the base of their head, that's called your frontal lobe. If you can do that, you'll be able to see what I'm trying to say to you. So that you've done that, that's where thinking happens. That's your rational brain. That's your logical brain. That's where reasoning happens. When I see a red light, I'm a stop. When I see a green light, I'm a go. So that's reasoning. Now, the way the body is engineered, the way you and I have been created, is any stimuli when we touch something, when we hear something, when we taste something, when I see something, when I smell something, any stimuli that I come in contact with it shoots into my body with electrical signals. And cell by cell by cell in nanoseconds, it travels to the ultimate destination, which is my brain. But to get to my brain, it has to go through my spinal cord. The entry to every everything you see, everything you touch, everything that irritates you, everything that makes you feel happy, everything that makes you feel bored or somber, any stimulus goes through your body, but to enter the brain, it comes through the spinal cord. But because the rational brain, the reasoning brain is right there, the middle part here is called your limbic system. And the limbic system is where all the emotion happens. And so before what you see, taste, hear, can get to reasoning, it has to go through an emotional phase. 
because we experience emotion before we experience reasoning. And so if reasoning is here and the stimulus has to go past the emotional part of your brain, the dance between these two things here, the rational and the feeling part of your brain, the limbic, the dance between the conversation is where emotional intelligence happens. That's what's going on. There is an exchange of information taking place. That's why you have a gut feeling, like your intuition speaks to you. That's what's going on. So there are times when intuition is going to speak louder. And there are times when it's got to be overridden because in that moment, it's not right to react. And that dance, knowing when to react and when to respond, is the emotional intelligence puzzle that we're working on today. So anytime you touch, see, taste, smell, hear anything, any feeling, because these all create feelings in you, that's how it moves from the spinal cord to the limbic system to rational thinking. And the dance between rational and feeling is where emotional intelligence is operating.